Well, if you've got your Bibles, you can open up to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 is where we're going to be at this morning. Acts chapter 1, we're going to be looking at verses 4 through 8. And we're going to talk about the message this morning is simply entitled, I've Got the Power. Now, those of you that were in the 80s, you probably just said that lyric in your head, right? I've got the power. Right? That's exactly what you were thinking of. And that's what we're going to talk about today is I've got the power. And we want to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, I want you to understand that it is important to have the right battery for the job. You ever notice that? That sometimes you purchase something and you need the right sized battery, correct? And I'm going to tell you one of the most popular batteries for teenage boys is a double A, isn't it? It goes to every game controller out there. Every Xbox, every PlayStation, every Wii, every Switch, all of them require a double A battery, and it is vital and important. This one is for adults. This is called a 9-volt. You know what I'm talking about? At 3 in the morning, and the smoke detectors start beeping, and you are digging through drawers, and you are begging God, please let me have purchased enough 9-volts so that I don't have to go to Walmart at 3 in the morning to purchase 9-volts to make sure the beeping stops. Everybody knows 9-volts are important. Now I'm going to go back to the 80s again. Everybody knows that a D battery is vital. How many of you have one of them massive boom boxes you carried around? You thought you was cool. They got, they got uh, the AirPods now because, you know, for the longest time it was the Beats headphones. Y'all remember that? All the kids walking around with the massive headphones. Now they got the AirPods so you can't see them. In particular, doing that so that you can't see it at school while they're listening to their music while you're teaching. But we used to walk around with a beatbox, right? You know, that big old jamming thing that had, you ready for this? A tape deck. <laughs> oh, I like that. Let me stop, rewind it. Oh, I went back too far. Fast forward. Oh, nope, now I went too far. You know, and we have one of those. And so a D battery was important. Now, everybody knows these batteries right here are vastly important as well. This is called a, a car battery and a tractor battery, right? How many of you have ever gotten out there in the freezing cold and all of a sudden your car won't crank? And you think to yourself, not today, Satan. And you go and you have to charge it. You get the jumper cables out and you think, well, if I just jump it off, maybe it'll last a little bit longer. Eventually, you end up having to replace that. You say, well, what is all this talk about batteries? You have to have the right battery to do the right job. If I tried to stick this into a car, it would not go. No matter how much I try and I, and I finagle it, it's not going to make a car go. This battery right here is not going to work in a boombox. It's just not going to happen. We also know that you can't take these batteries and plug them up to yourself. It hurt really bad. So you think about it. Different batteries require, or different things require different batteries. And so do we as Christians. We require a power source. We need someone to be empowering us and using us on a daily basis. These man-made batteries will not work. They will not impact. They will not affect who we are. But it's what the Holy Spirit does inside of us as he empowers us and uses us to go out and do the mission he has called us to do in the church and in our community. And so today we want to talk about three details about the power of the Holy Spirit. So Acts chapter 1, we're going to begin in verses 4 and 5, and we're going to see the promise of the power, the promise 
of the power. Beginning in verse 4. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. The promise of the power. He says this. He says, I want you, he says, I commanded him not to depart from Jerusalem. In other words, Jesus had given them instruction. You stay in Jerusalem until the promise comes upon you. You remain there. Now understand, at this point in Acts account, we are 40 days after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We know Acts chapter 2 is called Pentecost. It will be another 10 days before the Holy Spirit shows up in power and in fashion. We see this take place. So for 10 days, they're called to wait. Now I'm going to tell you, that is hard sometimes it is hard to wait on the Lord when you want to see him move when you want to see things happen we have a different timetable than God does God's timetable is perfect he is always on time and he is never late I used to love that song he's four days late right you're talking about Lazarus Lazarus had been dead for four days in a tomb and God goes I ain't late I'm right on time In fact, I have something I need to show you. I want to show you the power that dwells within me. And had I not arrived four days late, according to you, you wouldn't be able to see what I'm about to do. God's timing is always right. So he tells them to not depart. But he says this, but to wait for the promise of the Father. They had experienced time and time again Jesus telling them that the promise was coming. In fact, in John 14 and verse 16, he says, And I'll pray the Father, and he... Skip too many pages. And he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. And then in verse 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he'll teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. In John 16 and verse 7, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. In other words, this was the promise that Jesus had given to his disciples. That look, I have to go away. And if I go away... I will send to you the Holy Spirit who will dwell with you, who will be with you wherever you go. His presence will never leave you and never forsake you. This is my promise. He will teach you. He will train you. He will guide you. He'll bring to remembrance everything I taught you. And so he'll give you everything you need for the service I'm calling you to do. Guys, let me share something with you. That promise is given to us as well. God will give you everything you need for the job he's calling you to do. Why? Because he has given you the Holy Spirit as well. And also in the book of John chapter 20 and verse 22, Jesus said this. He said, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And can you imagine they're standing there and they're talking with Jesus and he just goes, and he breathes on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. You see, the word for Holy Spirit there is pneuma, which is the idea of breath. In other words, I'm going to fill you to capacity to use you for what I've designed you to do. I'm going to breathe upon you and give you the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, I love the way Luke talks about it in his gospel as he finishes out. In Luke 24, 49, he says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. Listen to this. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. 
until you are endued with power from on high. Let me tell you something. God has a power source that is far better than any power source we have in this world. It's himself. He never loses power. He never runs out of juice. He never gets tired. He never needs vacation. He never departs from us. He is never empty. He is never half full. He is always and completely full of power, and he endues that power. You ready for this? To the servants of God who serve him. This power was promised to the disciples In fact, he says this, that you'll be baptized in verse 5. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. In Luke chapter 3 and verse 16, John the Baptist is preaching there. He says, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose. He'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And then John chapter 133, I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to upon whom you see the spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. You need to understand something as Christians, we are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And you say, well, I hear that there's a second blessing. No, there's not. There's, there's one blessing. There's one Holy Spirit. And the moment you got saved, you received him. The problem is, as many of you were not connected to him. And, and honestly, the truth of the matter is, is some of you really don't have him, and therefore you're not connected to God either. Jesus said, I give it to you. In fact, it's a promise. It's a guarantee. Can I explain something to you? If God gives a guarantee, he fulfills it. If God gives a promise, it's going to happen. And therefore, if God had promised them the Holy Spirit as he promises it to us, then we are going to be endued with such amazing power. Listen to Romans 8, if you don't believe me, verses 8 through 11. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. You get that, right? He, he makes it very clear. If the Holy Spirit doesn't dwell within you, you're not a Christian. You don't have the power. And he goes on in verse 10, and if Christ is in you, get this, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. The power of Jesus Christ and the resurrection dwells within each and every one of us who are Christians, who are followers of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you what the problem is? Some of y'all aren't connected to the power source. You say, well, what do you mean? Well, it's very clear. Can I just tell you something? You can tell when somebody's a Christian because your spirit can agree with their spirit. Now, I had a brother one time that came to me, and he said, brother, he said, he said, do you think I'm a Christian? And I said, well, that's not my place to tell you whether I think you're a Christian. This was my younger brother. He said, that's not my place to tell you whether I believe you're a Christian or not. And he said, no, no, no. He said, I just, I want you to give me your honest opinion. What do you think? Do you think I'm a Christian? I said, well, I said, Kenny, I'll just be honest with you. I don't think so. I said, because your life does not show that you're living for Jesus, but living for yourself. Your life shows no spiritual power, no spiritual change, no transformation. Nothing in your life says that you live for Jesus other than you say those words. And I'm here to tell you there's a lot of people in the church that are just like my brother. 
And one day they'll stand before Jesus Christ and he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. Now, I can tell you today, my brother is a Christian. Praise God he got it right. I pray you'll get it right as well. We have the promise of the power. Number two, let's look at the misunderstanding of the power. Look at verse 6. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Now, I want you to understand something. It has not surprised me that the disciples thought that this was going to happen. You say, well, why does it not surprise you? Well, if you look at Scripture, it almost in the Old Testament seems to imply these things are going to take place. You say, well, what are you talking about? I said, well, let's, let's look at a few passages. One, let's look at Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2, verses 28 to 32. Listen to what it says here. And it shall come to pass afterward that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And I'll show wonders in the heavens and in earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. Verse 31. The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be deliverance, as the Lord has said, among the remnant whom the Lord calls. Now look at what it says there at the end. He said he's going to deliver them. He says that he's got what? Great and awesome day of the Lord. They understood that that meant that's the day the Lord comes down. He takes care of things and takes care of business. And he begins to move in such a mighty and powerful way that he sets up his kingdom right there in the land of Israel. So when they're reading Joel and they're hearing about the Spirit's coming, they're thinking this has to be the time. This has got to be the kingdom. It's here. The moment is here that we have been waiting for. But I want you to understand, Joel's not the only one that proclaims something like that. In the book of Ezekiel, chapter 36, so does the prophet Ezekiel, beginning in verse 24. For I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all countries, and bring you into their own land. Then I'll sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I'll take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. Verse 33, thus says the Lord God, on the day that I cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will also enable you to dwell in the cities and the ruins shall be rebuilt. The desolate land shall be tilled instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass by. So they will say, this land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden and wasted, desolate and ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. Yeah, I can understand why they thought that. This has got to be the moment that we've been reading about. That the prophets have told us about. This is the coming of the great and awesome day when the Spirit comes down and the Lord comes and sets on his throne and he sets up his kingdom. But I want you to understand, they were wrong. They were wrong. Now, I'm going to tell you something. There are a lot of people today that keep wanting to predict when Jesus is coming back. They keep wanting to tell you he's on his way. Can I just explain something to you? He's on his way, but I have no idea when it is. It could be tomorrow. It could be 10,000 years from today. 
It is not up to me to decide when Jesus comes back because he's on his own timetable and he can do it when he wants to. But what I do know is he's waiting on that last person to cry out in salvation to him and come to know him as personal Lord and Savior. And when that last person gets saved, he's on his way. He's on his way. Are you that person he's waiting on? Are you the one he's waiting for? Are you the one he's holding up right now because he's waiting on you to cry out to him? You see, they thought he was there. They thought it was time. They thought it was time for the kingdom and to set it up. And Jesus says this to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons. You realize Jesus had already told them that a couple of different times. In fact, in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 36, Jesus told his disciples, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my father only. You realize why? Because Deuteronomy 29, 29 tells us that secret things belong to the Lord our God. There are secret things that belong to the Lord. Only he knows. In fact, in the gospel of Mark, Jesus says, I don't even know when that time is. Now, I believe he knows now. But then he hit, that knowledge was hidden from him. He didn't want people to know. Why? Because he didn't want you to get ready just believing he could come back tomorrow and say, oh, well, now's the day to get ready. You need to be ready at all times. In fact, in the gospel of Mark, Jesus even used a story to predict and share with us that we need to be watching and ready. In Mark 13, beginning of verse 33, take heed, watch, and pray, for you do not know when the time is. It's like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming, in the evening, at midnight, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. The truth of the matter is, Jesus can come back anytime he wants. It's not up to me. I just have to be ready. I just have to be ready. Now, a lot of people are saying, well, brother, don't you see what's going on over there in Ukraine? And don't you see what China is trying to do to Taiwan? And don't you see all these wars and rumors of wars? Can I explain something to you? Since I've been a teenager, there have been wars and rumors of wars. There's been unrest in the Middle East. There's been all kinds of complications and difficulties and problems. The point is, is be ready. I was ready in the 90s, and I'm ready now. Just be ready. We don't have to know when. We just have to make certain that we're doing the work he's called us to do until he comes back. And we have a job. We have a job. And we better be ready. Number three, we need to look at the extent of the power. Look at verse eight. I love this verse. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You shall receive power. Power. I, I'm, I'm here to tell you, I think we miss it. I just want you to know, I, th I think we miss that understanding of what that word means, power. It comes from the Greek word dunamis. It comes from the Greek word dunamis where we get the idea of dynamite. Dynamite. You see that? Man, I'm going to tell you what. When I was a kid, I used to think dynamite was the coolest thing. Man, I used, to, I used to play with M80s and M100s. They're not quite as powerful as dynamite. 
But I'm going to tell you what, that's where we get our English word from the word dunamis. We get our English word dynamite. But I want you to understand, we've created something as humans even more powerful than dynamite. We went with the hydrogen bomb and then the atom bomb and then the nuclear bomb. Maybe. There we go. That's power. Is it not? When you think about that, that massive explosion, that big mushroom cloud that appears, there's power. But I want you to understand something. Those are both man-made emblems of power. And yes, they're powerful and explosive and igniting. But I want you to understand there's an even greater power. There's a creative power that our creative God has made for us when he called out into the world and he said in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth he spoke it into existence and then he said let there be light and there was light he spoke everything into existence you say well why are you telling me this because I want you to understand that's the power that is in you through the power of the Holy Spirit there is such massive explosive creative magnificent resurrected miraculous power that is inside of every one of us and the problem the problem is simply this we're not connected Man, I'm here to tell you, we're living in a day and age with weak Christians. Weak Christians. We have lost sight of the power. We forget that the same power that was endued to the disciples has been endued in us. We forget that the creative God who spoke things into existence can still speak into this world today. We forget that the same God who has given to those disciples power to do miracles has still given us that same power. It's the power to save. It's the power to change. It's the power to move. And it's the power to make mountains go into the sea. But our faith is small. It's not the power. It's our faith is small. Let me tell you something. The Bible makes it very clear in Ephesians 5.18. Here's where our greatest problem is. He says, do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Now understand what he's talking about there when he says being filled with the Spirit. It is in the active voice. In other words, it's the idea of be filled and keep on being filled. In other words, the Holy Spirit needs to be pouring into your life every day, every hour, every moment of your life. He needs to be filling you up constantly. Let me tell you something. Every one of us probably has one of these, don't we? Some of y'all just went ahead and started looking at it when I pulled it out. Y'all are like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that being in my pocket. But you know what's amazing? There's this little indicator up top. And man, when it turns red... We are scrambling for a charger, aren't we? My son gets up and goes to school. By the same time, I get up to go to work. And one day, I've packed his lunch, and I'm waiting. I'm thinking, where's he at? He normally pulls out just before I do. And I'm like, where is he at? And I call out to him. I said, son, it's time to go to school. What are you doing? Dad, I can't go to school. Why can't you go to school? I forgot to plug my phone in and it's not charged. <laughs> you don't need the phone for school. You need school. Go to school. Dad, I can't, I can't live without my phone at school. 
Can I tell you something? We're the same way. We have car chargers just in case it gets low when we're in the car, right? We even have portable chargers if you go on a trip so that you can slap that sucker in there if you've used it too much on your trip. We've got quick chargers because we don't like to wait four or five hours for it to charge. So we've got the power cord so it can charge in less than an hour. We've got wireless chargers. We've got all kinds. Why? Because if that phone hits red, it better be plugged in. Could you imagine if we had indicators for our life of the Spirit? Uh oh, I'm running on empty. What, 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 what do I need to do? How do I, uh, but can I explain something to you? Some of you guys are just fine with a low battery. You're like, well, I'm not using the power anyways. So if I'm not using it, I don't need any more. And we begin to run on empty on that power. And we don't realize that the Holy Spirit is sitting there going, I can charge you. I can fill you. I can give you what you need to do what I've called you to do. But there are many of us, and we're walking around. If we just had an indicator, I believe many Christians would be walking around like this and be just fine. I believe there are a lot of you walking around like this. You know what that means, right? It's dead. And can I explain something to you? If the battery's dead, it's because it ain't never been connected. It ain't never been charged. And the problem is that some of you are just okay with this. But here's the problem. The problem is, is you're going to stand before God one day and you're going to have not been filled with the Holy Spirit. And he's going to say, depart from me because I don't know you. Man, we need this. This is where we need to be. We need to have a full charge. We need to have a full charge because we need to use it. We need the power within us, and we need to use it. We need to be plugged in. And here's the thing. The Scripture makes it very clear how to get plugged in. In John chapter 15, beginning in verse 4, he says, Abide in me. And I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. Abide in me. And you'll bear much fruit. You get that, right? He doesn't say you'll bear some fruit. He doesn't say you'll bear a little fruit. He says you will bear much fruit when you are filled with the Holy Spirit who dwells within you. Let me tell you something. Man, when I got zapped, how many of you have ever been zapped by electricity? I was working on the plugs at my in-law's house, changing them out for me. I got to go when I was getting real quick, and I just got a little bit loose with it. And all of a sudden, I had my hand on that screwdriver, and right? And you, you feel it when it hits you. Now, let me tell you something. The power in those plugs is little. Now, I've seen some linemen up there fixing lines and grab a hold of one of them lines that's on, and it kills them. I've heard of guys that were at working at dams where they're working on the hydroelectric power and get a hold of one of those lines that they thought was off and it 
took them out just like that. Can I tell you something? If the power of God is filling us up, he will explode out of you. Just pray it doesn't kill you when it does. Let me tell you something. We are endued with this power, and the problem is, is we're not connected. The problem is, is many of us are doing exactly what he said in the Gospel of John. He said, we're not attached to the vine, and we bear no fruit. And when we bear no fruit, he's going to throw us into the fire. Can I tell you something today? I don't want him to throw you into the fire. I don't want him to throw you into the fire. I don't want him to look at you and say, depart from me because I never knew you. Because he created you for so much more. He created you to do so much more. And he endows you with power. Man, if our phones were dying, I promise you, you'd plug them in. If they were dying right now, you might go find a place to plug them in. You can't go to the airport and not find plugs. Man, in our old youth room in Alabama, that guy had a charger for iPhones, droids, Android, all kind, I mean, every kind of phone you could think of. He had a plug in there for those kids because he knew they couldn't go without their phones. It's time for us as Christians to start saying we can't go without the Holy Spirit. I won't be undercharged. I won't be half full. I want to be full of the Holy Spirit, and I want him to use me because I'm here to tell you, if you're not full of the Holy Spirit, you can't do the mission he's called you to. And look at the rest of verse 8. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you shall be witnesses to me. 1 Peter 3.15. Peter says it this way, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone to ask you for the reason For the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Isn't that amazing? As a Christian, they should see that you got something they don't have. That's the power. And when they ask you, you are ready to be able to answer them. You say, well, brother, hadn't you preached on this verse before? Well, I really stayed with this part. So I won't stay on it too long. But you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Let me tell you something. This little bit of power right here is not going to get you very far. And yet many Christians are satisfied with just a little bit of the Holy Spirit. But this kind of power won't get you where you need to go. This won't even get you to your Jerusalem. Just won't do it. You see, we got bigger batteries over here, and these batteries can carry cars far distances, but let's be honest, it can carry us to our Judea and Samaria, but even still, they fall short. They can't take us to the ends of the world, to the end of the earth. We have to get on a plane to do that. And that requires a whole lot more power than those batteries could even think of. Let me tell you something. You can go into your Jerusalem... You can go into your Judea and your Samaria. And you can go to the ends of the earth with this kind of power. But if you don't have the power that's endued from on high, you're just taking a trip. And you're not doing what God has called you to do. I've been on mission trips 
where I could tell you there were a few people that went on the trip just to say they went to Brazil or just to say they went to Japan. I didn't go just to see the sights. I want to see people know Jesus, and I hope you do too. It's time that we stop being satisfied with this. And if this is you, I pray today you get plugged in. It's time for us as Christians to not be satisfied with this. To recognize that we need to be charged up and filled with the Holy Spirit because the power is there. The power is there. And man, I'm going to tell you, when you get plugged in, he'll use you to do great things. It's time for us to start walking around like this. It is time for us to understand the power that God has. The power that God wants to use. And the power that God can do to transform this world if we would just be plugged in. My question for you this morning, real simple, two questions. Do you have the power? Are you connected? And if you are, then the second question is, do you display the power? Can others see it in you? Do they want to know what's different?